cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. I'm Alan Watson. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 7th of May, 2009. I always advise the newcomers, and as always, people coming in for the first time to listen to the show, to go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, where you'll find hundreds and hundreds of hours of talks that I've given in the past, where I try to give you the shortcuts to understanding the big picture of the system, and is one system that runs and guides the world how it's done, the various agencies it uses and the foundations behind it, how it's funded, etc. And where they want to take the whole planet because those at the top really believe in Darwin and his theories of evolution and they came to the conclusion even before Darwin, in fact Darwin was one of their front men, that they were the most evolved of their type and they deserved to rule the world and decide what lived, what didn't live, what was useful to the economic system and what wasn't and that's why everything's coming together in this 21st century the century of change as they call it taught all through academia and it's only the general public who are ignorant of what's really happening they think it's all this terrorism and crisis and flu pandemics and stuff like that there's nothing of the kind you're simply going through a planned agenda also look into Alan Watts Sentient, sentinel.eu for transcripts of these talks which I give, which you can download and print up and pass around to your friends. Uh, those who like what they're hearing, and it makes sense to them, and they can check it out for themselves. We to try not to surmise about things, uh, try to use the documentation put out by the big boys themselves. Then they can support me by going to CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and buying the books and discs I have for sale. I'd have a lot more out there if it wasn't for the fact I'm too busy doing this program and so on. Or you can donate through PayPal or personal check from the U.S. and Canada. And it's on the website, as I say, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website tells you how to do that. And those who get the discs pass around, and lots and lots of people do because they don't want computers. I don't blame them. The computer is the method of bringing the world into this one system, and it's going to be used for controlling us for everything, for purchasing for everything as we go electronic. So those people can actually write to me at Alan Watt, site 41, box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada, and the postal code is P as in Peter, 3E as in Elizabeth, 4N1. As I say, you have to help me to keep going because it is expensive doing what I'm doing. And I don't ask any of the programs and shows I go on for money. That way I'm independent. I can say pretty well what I, what I want to. I'm not hamstrung by, by people sponsoring me, basically. Those adverts that you hear on this show go to paying for the show, for the airtime. It pays for the, for the station. It pays for the equipment. It pays for the engineers and so on. And I don't deal with that at all. So, going back to this big, lovely world order, 
we're going into, and most of the people on the planet are oblivious of it. They vaguely notice there's changes going on. They vaguely know it's something to do. Well, it's terrorism and it's pandemics and, and there's pigs flying around in the sky or something, as pigs might fly. Because anything's possible these days, isn't it? Especially when your perceptions are given to you by the experts and they know how to make you believe anything. And most people do. In fact, it's too tedious for most people to even try and figure out what's really happening outside their own personal lives, their own little circles. They've been trained to leave it to the experts, trained over quite a few generations on purpose by those who understand the science of the mind. Back with more after these messages. through the matrix, discussing the fact that we're going through the major changes that I think Rockefeller himself said that we're going through the biggest upheaval, social upheaval, and migratory upheaval too, than has happened since really just before, or at the beginning I should say at least, of the industrial era where millions of people were churned off the land and put into the big cities because the Rothschilds of the day had passed a bill in Europe and Britain especially, but had their friends and their cousins elsewhere and their brothers doing the same thing in every country to get to the peasants to have um, stopped growing their own food and grains and so on. And the corn laws were, were passed, they repealed, which enabled all foreign countries to dump the cheapest stuff in your country and put you out of business. Therefore, they all moved into the big cities into these massive, massive slums and were cramped together. That was an ideal situation for those who owned the big factories and it was all planned that way. Because people don't like moving off the land. That's traditional. You get attached to the land, especially through generations of living on it. And you feel you belong. And that's what people have out of their lives today. They have no feeling of belonging. Everything's changing. Chops go up the last two or three years and then knock them down again. There's nothing to compare the past to. And that's intentional as well. Because you're being upgraded every year or so into the new, the new, the new. This is the time that H.G. Wells talked about in his shape of things to come, where the public would protest the massive changes happening with great rapidity and they would not be given a breathing space. The Rockefeller himself, as I say, a man who uh, owns a foundation, the family foundation that uh, funds a thousand points of light, meaning NGOs and other foundations. Many of the foundations out there are simply fronts for the money to get passed through to throw you off the scent of who's behind it. And they all have the specialized parts to play as non-governmental organization, but mainly in population reduction, what they call family planning, and so on across the world and at home. Rockefeller said at a World Bank meeting a few years back, he said this new world order will not be liked by people. He said, but we have to bring it in. He said uh, it would be great disruptions. And he says this generation, this generation alive now, he said, are unfortunately will be the cannon fodder. The cannon fodder, those are his, his words for the agenda. 
So if you think that 2001-9-11 was just a happenstance thing to kick off the 21st century, think again. You see, the velvet gloves are off, the iron fist, and we're seeing force used, and law after law rammed down people's throats across the planet. Same laws at the same time. They're not messing around now. They're not coercing us and, and molly-coddling us. They're not even bothering giving us great political speeches or anything like that. They're just ramming them all through. Because we've been trained to say to simply obey now. That's the, we're into the obeyance stage of this. Now, the Internet was put up initially and owned by the military-industrial complex, who still own it, by the way, if you think all these companies are, are separate and independent and even the makers of your computers. They're all part of the military-industrial complex because in their own writings, screeds and screeds of writings, they said that whoever controls all technology and science will rule the world. That was also the basis for the Cold War. They didn't give that up over and hand it over to free enterprise because someone would obviously go off in their own direction and devise a system that they couldn't get into and really give the public some freedom. That was never the intention. The intention was to get everyone hooked in to this emerging system where it's indispensable for everybody, businesses, individuals, like done as I say to your personal banking and purchasing because that's how it will all be done in the future. Also paying your rents in the Agenda 21 little manifesto because there'll be no private property. There will be no rent in the future. We've already seen government stepping in and taking over mortgages during this last manufactured crash. We have this strange public-private relationship once more, and houses that were once partially owned by people trying to pay off the mortgages are now owned and rented out by government. Same thing's happening in Britain and elsewhere. Whatever happens in Britain happens across the planet. And a few years ago, one of the first big Internet censorship meetings was held in Canada for the United Nations. And they talked about how they'd use hate laws initially as the excuse to bring in censorship. But in the meantime, they let everybody play and say their thing, and everybody could let off steam and come from their various angles of reality and put things out. But then they would start to rope them in, you see. Because first you had to become dependent on the system, which is essential to run a world. It's not for our benefit, as I say. And Australia, of all places, has been one of the leaders in putting in these implementations that were at first suggested in the first meeting and then uh, unleashed into their further, their further depth of censorship in their next meeting and so on and so on. And I read an article about a month or so ago where Australia was going after certain websites with certain terms and words in them. But now they're going to step further. And this is from, this is from the Register, the 7th of May. The Australian government yesterday broke new records for web, web censorship by requiring the takedown not just of a page containing harmful content, nor even a page linking to harmful content, but a page linking to a link, allegedly, of harmful content. The 
content of the Australian Communications and Media Authority. See, we've all got these coming into view. They're all set up. Originally deemed to be inappropriate, was found on a U.S. site. Now listen to what it was. What it was. <clears throat> remember, there's only one system. See, the one system that's coming in now, remember, is a collectivist, Sovietized system to rule the people with massive bureaucracies and agencies and force. And everything that the so-called communistic side or left-wingers or, or the Council on Foreign Relations, who are often mistaken for the communists, in fact, they hid behind them, since they ran them, actually, um, they had a lot of protests when the old system of individual freedom and rights was still working. And once the left, gradually through the Fabian system, uh, took over governments from within, that's what they call the legal way. Uh, they altered everything into a communistic system. And therefore, everything that's politically correct is part of the old Sovietized communist system. You understand that political correctness is communism. So this site where the inappropriate data was, listen to this, was uh, abortion TV on the U.S., a U.S. site. It says the site is political in nature, clearly coming down on the anti-abortion side of that debate. And the page in question features pictures of aborted fetuses. Before the communists took over, you see, it, it would be the other side who were trying to stop the abortion issue because they knew where it was going to go. It was going to go to forced abortion. And then eventually to sterilization because they knew who was in charge of these programs like Margaret Sanger who loved Hitler. She admired his eugenics program. Now she's a saint. A saint in governments. Now you can go into art galleries and you'll see fetuses in jars of urine. They show it on television once in a while, this kind of stuff. But that's okay because that's dehumanizing the human and the offspring of the human. It's anti-human. That's okay. That's politically correct. Because under the Earth Charter, you see, we're not an endangered species. Therefore, there's only one agenda and one side to it. And you have a generation who have grown up thinking this is the normal side. This is a normal thing. Because it exists already when they were born. And they have no idea, really, what its true program is or what it's all about. Remember going back, and I've read the articles, well, actually I read the book from Julian Huxley, who worked for UNESCO, the United Nations, who said, we have to, we must, somehow devaluate humanity and get the public to accept it. Well, these guys don't just come up with ideas and, and sit and hope or send letters off to Santa Claus up the chimney. They implement them. And we hear these little implementation deals all the time, little blurbs amongst the mass of noise in this ether world that we live in. And we somehow think that none of it concerns us. If it does concern us, there's a specialist in my area who's obviously dealing with it for me. That's how people think today. Everything that happens in eugenics and depopulation 
concerns you. And you better wisen up to that very quickly. These guys are not messing around. They have been bioengineering the public. They have altered your food supply. They know what's in it. Once in a while, they'll admit the effects of it once in a while. The sterility in the Western world have gone through their own data. It's incredible. It's not a crisis because it's planned. 85% sterility in the male should be a crisis, but it's no crisis because it's planned. Otherwise, it would be, right? Obvious. I'll be back with more on this topic after this break. through the fact that emotive topics are given to people and a whole generation have been brought up really thinking it was about people's rights. And everyone likes to be the victim, especially when it's been drummed into you in school that you were. And it was nothing to do with that at all for those who organize it. They love to use our emotions to separate and conquer, divide and conquer. Always for a different motive, and the motive was published in the 1800s with various eugenicists in the American Eugenics Society right through the early 1900s, right in fact through the 1930s. The real agenda. And the real agenda was to get rid of all the useless eaters, as they call them, those who were for an inferior stock. That was the reason, not because they cared about the rights of a woman. They couldn't care less about one person here and there with their own very real dilemma. They couldn't care less. But once you get the idea that life ain't so special after all for humans and the public accept it, you can then go on a roll with it. And they have. Because now they go after the elderly. There's now euthanasia. Clinics in different countries. And I'll be here shortly too. Because after all, under the United Nations, they say that uh, their own definition of a good world citizen is a good producer and consumer. Producer and consumer. If you're just consuming and a pensioner, you're no longer a producer. You're a burden on society, on the economic system. That's all money that could go to government to, to squander on some other things, you see. That's the reality of the world. But emotions are used to the highest degree because they've worked for centuries on different peoples. It's emotions they whip up when they want to divide between Catholic and Protestant or between Muslim and Christian or Jewish. Emotion, emotion, emotion. And they know exactly how to stir the pot and get it going. Male and female, same thing. They can even split males down, half this and half that. Females the same way. It's no different. It's a science. Perfect science. Because people will always pick this or that. They're always given two choices, this or that. And they're guaranteed to pull half into one side and half into another. That's what voting's all about. It's a con. 
and it's emotive-based emotion, not logic, nor history, nor memory even, as used. And no one thinks of the ulterior agenda because they're too lazy to go in to find it. So this article here says that it's, it's okay it's okay to have abortion sites, as long as it's for abortion, but n- not against abortion. And you can put anything up in the, in the guise of art. We'll have corpses hanging on wires, for God's sake. Shown around the world now. Corpses plasticized and hanging on wires. It's art. Again, the dehumanization process that we accept. And it's there for reasons that you don't even know about. This is back in January of this year's same article. The ACMA wrote back to a complainant, ACMA is satisfied that the Internet content is hosted outside Australia and that the content is prohibited or potentially prohibited in its content. The Internet Industry Association, you see they're all sprung up, all these things that were ready to go, as a code of practice for Internet service providers, which, among other things, sets out arrangements for dealing with such content in accordance with the code, ACMA has notified the above content to make the makers of, I think it's 2A, approved filters for their attention and appropriate action. The code, the code requires the ISPs to make available to customers a 2A approved filter. Despite this, the link continued to be published by popular news sites such as Whirlpool. In March, the ACMA upped the ante by sending to Whirlpool's ISP bulletproof networks an interim link deletion warning, warning them that they were in breach of the law and that failure to block access to the link in question could cost them $11,000 per day. Boy, did they want them bad, eh? Anything that's against the communistic system is going to be, they're going to use economics against you, massive economics. And believe you me, they will because, you see, the big international bankers set up and funded and trained the top communists of their day. Read your histories. Bulletproof pulled the link. This sequence of events was then reported by Electronic Frontiers Australia. And this is EFA, who described themselves as a non-profit national organization representing Internet users concerned with online freedoms and rights. In a report that included the now infamous link, they wrote, this demonstrates not only that the blacklist targets a wider range of material than child abuse, where the minister's rhetoric has been focused. That's how they brought it in. They always used pedophilia and stuff, you see. You see, always, always, always. It says, but also that the lines between art, obscenity, and political speech are not as bright and clear as politicians would have. As I imagine, viewing or possession of RC content is not in itself illegal unless the content falls afoul of some other statute, such as those governing child abuse material. They added, despite the minister's ridiculous assertions that he means well, and we should take it on faith that the filter will be effective and benign, this latest episode demonstrates how serious run-ins with the censors can be, and that it does not only happen to purveyors of the filth politi- political Israel against. These sorts of incidents will multiply as mandatory filtering is introduced. Mandatory filtering is coming in. I'll be back with more after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 
watts and we're cutting through the matrix. Just showing you that there's always another motive behind pretty well everything out there, especially when it comes to political correctness. There's always an agenda behind it. The same agenda. As you dehumanize society, we've already been debased by the cultural industry very quickly from songs they sang in the 50s and it just plummeted, plummeted like Prometheus coming down until literally we have just gibberish put out as music. It's all debased stuff that, that's, if you make out any words at all, it's all, it's all very, very primitive, linguistically minimal and debased. That was by intent as they dehumanize all of society and get the public to accept it. That's the main thing. We're the only species that has to be convinced because we must acquiesce to our, our sentences that they give us. Getting back again to what I said earlier about Mr. Rockefeller saying that this generation was the cannon fodder for this massive upheaval that would be akin to the clearing of the land into the cities for the industrial era. Here's a, a typical article here. This is from USA Today, from I think a, a couple of days ago, a day ago. It says economic casualties pile into tent cities. This is from Pinelas or Pinelas County, Florida. It says Jim Marshall calls everything about that beautiful fall day. The temperature is about 70 degrees. November the 19th, the sky was totally blue, and the laughter from a martini bar drifted into St. Petersburg Park, where Marshall 39 sat contemplating his first day off homelessness. And he goes on and on as to what happens when you're made homeless, and he tells you what it's like. But it says for the economic homeless, and by the, by the way, it says here that this, in this place alone, Pinellas or Pinelas County, Florida, it says there's 7,500 homeless people and 1,300 children in homeless families since this fantastic depression that was pulled off when we were looted on cue by the banks. It says here, for the economic homeless, the American ideal that education and hard work lead to a comfortable middle-class life has slipped out of reach. They're packing into motels, parking lots, and tent cities, alternately distressed and hopeful searching for work and praying their fortunes will change. A typical statement here is, my parents always taught me to work hard in school, graduate high school, go to college, get a degree, and you'll do fine. You'll do better than your parents' generation. Marshall says, I did all those things for a while. I did have that good life, but nowadays that's not the reality. Tent cities and shelters from California to Massachusetts report growing demand from the newly homeless the National Alliance to End Homelessness predicted in January that the recession would force one and a half million more people into homelessness over the next two years. Already tens of thousands have lost their jobs, Alliance President Nan Roman says. The one and a half billion dollar in new federal stimulus funds for homelessness prevention will help people pay rents, utility bills, moving costs or security deposits, she said, but it won't be enough. We're hearing from shelter providers that the shelters are overflowing, filled to capacity, says Ellen Basuk, president of the National Center on Family Homelessness. The number of families on the streets has dramatically increased. 
Pinellas Hopes, the tent city run by the Catholic Charities here since December 2007, has been largely for the chronically homeless, some of whom suffer from mental illness or struggle with drugs or alcohol. 20% of his 240 residents became homeless recently because of the economic turndown. This is Frank Murphy, president of the Catholic Charities Diocese of St. Petersburg. We're seeing a change in the population. We're seeing a lot more that, that are just plain losing their jobs and their homes, says Sheila Lopez, chief operating officer of the charity. A lot are either job-ready or working, but have lost their home because they were laid off or their apartment. And now they can't go to work because they're not shaven, they're not clean, they're living in a car, or they're living on the street. The charity plans to expand the tent city and build an encampment in a neighboring county, an idea that has drawn objections from nearby homeowners and businesses. And that's your standard thing. That's your standard problem. And every country is the same thing. Uh, those who still have uh, are just ticked off uh, that uh, their value, their property is going to fall because you've got these tents living next door. And how New York used to deal with that is to bring in the bulldozers and bulldoze them down. And when Mel Lastman was the mayor of New York, of uh, Toronto, uh, he got the idea from New York and he did the same thing with a Toronto tent city. That's how they get rid of the homeless, you see, they make them move somewhere else. That's the standard, standard thing. It says here in Massachusetts, a record number of homeless families need emergency shelter, says Robin Frost, executive director of Massachusetts Coalition for the Homeless. In mid-April, there were 2,763 families in shelters, including 655 in motels, because the shelters were full. That's an increase of 36% since July, she says. There been a high number of foreclosure properties, and many of them are multi-family apartments, Frost says. We're seeing a great number of families being displaced. The homeless include a startling number of first-time homelessness, she said. We asked them what industries they were involved in. The majority were taking, talking about construction, the housing industry, real estate. There was a direct correlation in the housing market crash. In Santa Barbara, California, 84 men and women sleep in their cars, trucks, or recreational vehicles in 17 parking lots around the city, says Jason Johnson with the New Beginnings Counseling Center, which runs the RV Safe Parking Program. The city, which allows the use of three municipal lots at night, supports the program, says City Parking Superintendent Victor Garza. Last May, there were 58 participants and no waiting list. Now 40 people are waiting. Then he goes on and on about other places, etc., who are all getting the same problem. This is, this is what Rockefeller said, the upheaval. He said, you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. These people are the broken, broken eggs. And it's going to get worse, by the way. I also said, too, in 2001, I think it was that very night on a radio station, I said, you want to see implemented... On September the 11th, I said, you can see implemented everything you see in a war situation, in a world war situation. I said, you'll see uh, security, ID cards, eventually ration cards. I said, you'll, you'll eventually see people being, they want people on the roads. They want to see refugees on the roads. Everything you get in a war scenario has to be done across the world, but mainly in the so-called first world countries, to bring them down. And they know from formula, 
from previous times, as I say, as those who are on the road will be ignored by those who still live in the buildings. That's standard, that's traditional. And you'll have an outer class that don't belong anymore. And then will come economic solutions to it. And we're already getting that, well, there's just too many people. What they mean is, you see, there's too many people for a post-industrial era. They've taken the industry out of our countries by design. And most people who are now homeless and the ones who still got their homes didn't even know it was happening. They sailed right through, like they sailed through everything without observing anything. When the GATT treaties were signed, when years and years of negotiations and building up of China, training thousands and thousands and thousands of engineers, Canada was doing it since the 60s, communist China. And I said, why is Canada churning out all these engineers that go back to China? Because they don't have the factories. Well, it's because we're getting that. They gave them the factories. They all came from the U.S. and Canada. That's where the factories came from and Europe. Long-term strategy, long-term planning, and no one asked the obvious questions. Why are you training thousands of engineers to go back to a country where there's no factories? No one thinks. And everyone saw stuff suddenly appear in the shelves made in China, made in China. Going to the Marxist doctrine, the Soviet doctrine, they wanted one factory that would make toothbrushes for the whole of the Soviet Union. They got it. One factory to make the shoes for them all. They got it. That was called efficiency to them. That's what's happening today with us. Because the CFR talked about setting up China in the 1930s to be the manufacturer of the planet. Generation after generation just lived through their parts of the script and are oblivious to what's going on. They're managed. We're being managed by experts. We're brainwashed with the education system that now is run by UNESCO to make sure everyone in every country gets the same brainwashing. We're put into the same Plato's cave so we can meet people from across the country, across the world. And we all talk about the same cave because that's all we've been taught. We're brainwashed. Simple. So were our parents. So were our parents. Now, I've mentioned how the computer is the big, big stick. Because they said without the computer they couldn't pull any of this off, this IDing thing, this, this eternal surveillance, total information network. And I keep saying to people, it's, you've all signed it into law. What do you think total means? It means all conversations, all faxes, all everything is kept forever, ever. Total information, not partial. That means you who are listening out here, out there. Everybody. IBM, which is a nice little code for I-beam, you see, the I from Horus, the beam of the light from Horus, or Ra. It's interesting, too, it's also, they used that, that little symbology in the Space Odyssey 2001 for the code name for the computer, how. If you just go one letter before, and you have H-A-L, which is IBM. 
And IBM, of course, made big, big progress. They were always into categorizing and statistics, etc. And they made the first cardiac systems that were used. They used them in the concentration camps of Germany, and I'm pretty sure they also had a hand in the Soviet gulags as well. And here's a, a PR, a PR blurb about them from BBC News. All you get from the BBC News is propaganda. And they start off with, from Spitfires to censors. Now, the Spitfire was a an aircraft fighter they used in World War II, a, a bigger name than it deserved, because it didn't win, win the Battle of Britain. The hurricane really did. Anyway, and reality doesn't matter. It's by Darren Waters, technology editor. It's a software that underpins billions of financial transactions made every day is being developed at an IBM lab in a quiet part of Hampshire. Personally, House has been part of IBM's history for 40 years, but its role in technology development stretches back even further. Walking around the grand surroundings of Hursley House through the beautifully restored rooms of the mansion and the more aesthetic corridors and spaces of adjoining labs, all you can hear is the quiet hum of desktop computers. 66 years ago, and the noise from the main house and grounds would have been from the roar of, roar of Rolls-Royce engines attached to the arguably the most famous fighter of all the Spitfire. During World War II, Hursley House was the base of operations for Vickers. Now, Vickers was owned by Lord Vickers. Lord Vickers obtained a mass of his wealth. He already had done it, the Vickers family, in the opium trade uh, when they were dumping bales of it into China, along with all the guys, too, in the Skull and Bone Society at Yale. And during World War I, Vickers amassed a fortune because uh, he went in to... to um, partnership with the inventor uh, Maxim of the machine gun the heavy, heavier machine gun it was mounted on a, a bipod or tripod and it was a water cooled jacket and all that stuff and so what they did uh, because they knew there was a war coming you see the Vickers would supply all the British and American troops with, with his his model and they would slightly alter it a little bit for the jacket for the, for the German model and they, they based their headquarters in Switzerland, and they, they amassed millions of dollars. That was a, a lovely Lord Vickers. And they've been in the war industry ever since, as all of these big boys are, IBM too. And it says here, <clears throat> um, Vickers, the manufacturer of the iconic plane that helped turn the Battle of Britain in the UK's favour. For the last five decades, the housing grounds have been owned by IBM and have been devoted to research and development. Over five decades, the work that goes on at Hursley for IBM has reflected the broader transformation of Big Blue itself from hardware company to software and services firm. Once IBM was at the forefront of computer development, these days IBM is more likely to be helping to drive cutting-edge software solutions and focuses primarily on developments. But then you have to scan down to see what they're up to, what really is, get through all the PR and so on. It says, it's now at the center of two key technology developments, transaction processing and pervasive messaging. Every time you use an ATM, book a holiday flight or a flight, you're probably using CICS software that was developed here, he explained. Uh, tied inextricably to CICS is IBM's pervasive messaging middleware called MQTT that guarantees delivery of data from point A to point B. We live in a world where intermittent outages in technology or web access are common, but in the global finance sphere, such things are unacceptable. 
testing applications for pervasive messaging happens in the Emerging Technologies Lab, a small set of rooms at houses and demonstrations which at first glance would appear to be more at home at a school science fair. But it goes on to tell you what more, what they're really into. And it's, it's this completely, where they're bringing everything together, it's the, the completely they're bringing buildings together with chips, etc. It will also interface with this, 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 this system that was mentioned in Ireland a few months ago, and I read it on the air, where you'll wear a thing on your head, and you'll be able to, to basically know where you're going and, and what's in that building, what it sells, and all the rest of it. Social integrated networking system. But it's also obviously to do with uh, the, the final thing. The product is going to be a brain chip, and I think everyone knows it. But remember their history. Remember IBM's history. Because it made most of its money from basically identifying individuals and keeping records on individuals. That's part of the military complex for military purposes. Never forget it. What a world, and most folk haven't a clue of what's really going on. Now, we'll go to the phones now, and we've got Jason from Ontario. Are you there, Jason? Hi there, Hello, Jason. What? Yes. Hi there. I um, just want to make a, a couple of comments to you there. I, I, I want to bring this up with uh, the New World Order and, um, and what their objectives are and maybe why they're uh, the way that they are. Uh, as yeah. far as uh, yeah, hold on, yeah. and, and we'll go into it, and we'll hear what you have to say after this break. Back in a few moments. Through the Matrix on the line with Jason from Ontario, who is going to give us a few pointers, perhaps, on how we see yeah, things. Yeah, I have. Uh, a, I just want to ex- expand on that a bit. Sorry, I got cut off. But um, yeah. yeah, for the war of humanity upon itself, I just want to refer to. Uh, are you familiar with Roger Sperry and his research he's, he's done on the left and right side of the brain? Uh, oh yeah, in, I've, I've seen a lot more than him. I've seen the old stuff too. This is old, old stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at um, how it how it it's kind of a, a left a left brain right brain type of uh, conflict yeah. that, that that causes this. Um, you have uh, what they're implementing now in the new world order uh, would attribute itself to the left side of the brain as being like say sequential, mm-hmm. um, directed, very linear in, the, yeah. in its motives. Yeah, yeah, to them it really seems quite practical and, and quite logical. Uh, that was the whole idea of the Star Trek, Mr. Spock. He always picked logic. Now, he was a Vulcan. Of course, that's fire again. Yep. And uh, these characters are belong to these ancient societies that know this kind of stuff. They believe that pure reason should rule the world uh, and overrule human, human emotion or values. Yeah. And it sort of kind of ties into your uh, thing you mentioned earlier about uh, how they admire uh, fetuses as art or and the anatomy in yes. plastic. Yeah. Um, they see that as an art form, whereas a right-brained person who, who sees beauty um, and, and an artist um, would see that, uh, you know, not the same way. Mm-hmm. That's right. 
It is. You see, you must remember, too, these characters brought in uh, what they called the Age of Reason. And they, they, they wrote screeds and screeds of stuff about how reason would rule. And the reason that, that uh, they claimed the world is always in a mess is because people's emotions ruled their lives for them. Well, you see, we are complete human beings with emotion. If we don't have emotion, we're not a complete human being. We are a robot, basically. We're robots. And uh, these characters at the top, being psychopaths, of course, always look to the practical solution to them. It's through their agenda, not humanity's agenda. And if they, if they see themselves as farmers and for superfluous in a certain era, well, you just cull off the excess herd. That's what you do if you're a farmer. And that literally is, the, is what they want to bring in. They want to reduce the world's population down to 500 million people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I've stated it over and over. Yeah, yeah. oh, I... I... You know, you have uh, Hitler, who is a great admirer of art. You have all these dictators that that, that are, have collections that are, cre- are, yes. are, you know, very vast. Um, you know, so Gorbachev, are... Gorbachev had a portrait done of himself. It's in his home, and I put a photograph up one day on it. Where mm-hmm. there's three photographs of him. One is him as the as the Jesus child with his mark on his forehead. It's in his living room. Mm-hmm. And the other one is, is, is him as basically the, the new Jesus, the new Messiah for the greening system, yeah, the world greening system. These guys literally are, are petty megalomaniacs, but they, but they belong to a very big, big, powerful club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that was uh, basically my point that I wanted to bring up. Yes. With you, you're, you're, um, you're quite right, though. It's, uh, it's been a very old ancient system, a, a battle. And in early times, even the early Christian um, symbols would show Jesus uh, ascending on the cross with the serpent wrapped around him. If it was just him himself, it would be emotion. The serpent was, was wisdom logic, so the two were combined, and that meant perfection. That was the early mystic symbol of it. If you just have pure the serpent, you have colds and an, an emotional reason, and okay. that's hell on earth. You do see us through history here, you do? Yes. Okay. Thanks for calling in. This goes back a way long time. But anyways, from a very wet Ontario, Canada, it's good night from Hamish and myself. And may your God or your gods go with you.